sin but the blood of Jesus we stand here father on grace ground unmerited undeserved grace ground father we thank you for changing our lives forever and I thank you Lord this morning your power and your presence which has already invaded this place my God raise your hands to heaven with me right now father in the name of Jesus I thank you that you are able to go into places in our lives where even we cannot go thank you already Lord already you, you've answered questions you've comforted hearts you've exhilarated spirits you've revived souls Lord I thank you that as I preach your word Lord there is nothing more powerful than the gospel when it is believed Lord your word says the gospel is the power of God unto wholeness to those that will believe it and we declare to you as we lay aside the problems of last week as we refuse to worry about what we think is going to happen next week we stand in the present in the presence we stand in the present in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and where the Spirit of the Lord is there is liberty and life and love and blessing so we give our full attention right now to what you have to say to us in the name of Jesus and if I got some believers in this house I want you to just to praise him and thank him and bless him Just remain standing, you know, in the old covenant, there was a law concerning the, uh, the worship of God. God says to his people, if you come into my presence, if you come into my temple, if you come into my presence from the north gate, then you have to leave from the south gate. If you come into my presence to worship me from the east gate, you have to leave from the west gate. In other words, God says, you never leave my presence the same way you came into my presence. And if that is the case under the old covenant, I want to tell you, because of the blood of Jesus Christ, when you come into his presence, which we have this morning, listen, you may have come in here depressed. You are going to leave full of joy. You may, may have come in here condemned. You're going you're gonna to leave this place full of no condemnation in Christ Jesus. If you came in here sick, you're going to leave healed in the name of Jesus because we don't leave the same way as we came in. If you believe it, I want you to give God praise in this house right here. Somebody shout! <laughs> Turn to somebody and say, don't talk to me unless it's positive. <laughs> and you may be seated. How are you, everyone? great to be here I love being home uh, pray for me I, I mentioned those of you that were here last week uh, I have the privilege of being involved in something historic in a couple of weeks I've been, we've been invited by the Prime Minister of Iraq to visit that nation for five days me and Terry Law going out there please keep looking at CNN or Sky News there could be an international incident when me and Terry get together to go somewhere. Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, it always happens. But uh, we have the privilege of uh, actually being involved in history. Uh, they've invited us to go there to speak to the Christian leaders in Kurdistan because they want to rewrite the constitution and they want a strong Christian influence in the new constitution for that nation. Come on, somebody say amen. And... Uh, We've been invited by the Prime Minister, be there in his house with his bodyguard and the whole thing. And me and Terry be there. I don't know. Do you know what? 
Listen, if God can use, uh, you know, a wazak like me from the valleys, I want to tell you something. Just keep believing in your dreams. Come on, somebody say amen. God will just use you. Uh, and uh, I just want to flow in the same spirit that, um, that, that is pervading in this service. Um, you know, I, when Dave got up here and just said, you know, magnify the Lord. Don't magnify the stuff that's threatening you. You know, I could have gone home. I'm happy as a pig in a sty. I, that's enough for me. What, wasn't that a great encouraging word from the Lord? You, you won't get that in the social club. You, you won't get that uh, feeling sorry for yourself in the house watching EastEnders. It'll only make you more depressed. No, the best place to come when you're going through some stuff is the house of God with God's people. That's where it flows. That's where encouragement flows. And, uh, and uh, I, I don't know, but uh, let, let me ask you this question. Uh, have you ever had one of those weeks where you walk around and your heart is so heavy, it just feels like a lump of lead in your chest? Have you ever had those weeks when your mind has been so unsettled? Have you ever had those weeks where, you know, your, your negative emotional life seems to be winning the battle over the positive promises of God in your life? And it seems like, the, the, this, like with, with the words that's, that's come through Faye and through Dave and through the worship, it seems as if the Holy Spirit wants to do something confirmatory everybody say confirmatory if you don't understand what that means it just simply means confirmatory that's what it means and it seems to me Dave Faye that, that, that the Spirit of God see many many ministers they don't read the service you are blessed to have somebody like Dave and Faye who actually don't just turn up and go through the motions they, they read the service they Listen to what the Spirit of God is saying. And, and I just feel that, that some of you got up here this morning. You turned up here this morning. Uh, probably the last place you wanted to see. And the last person you wanted to see is some happy Christian. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, hallelujah. Oh, praise the Lord. Oh, shut up. And you, you, you just want to, you know what I mean? You're going through stuff and you got someone going, Oh, it's, uh, Jesus is wonderful. You just want to smash them on, you know what I'm saying? Is that wonderful now? Come on, let's see a wonderful. So, 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 but some of you came this morning like that. And all week, and you've said, God, give me a word to confirm. Well, well, you've all, I've already received mine. And God's going to use this little hobbit from the Shire, perhaps to say a few things that will be confirmatory for you. Uh, why don't we just give Jesus a big praise before he gives it to us? Come on, somebody give him praise. I've had many weeks like that, many seasons like that. Christian life is, is not tiptoe through the tulips. It's dealing with stuff. You know, and the man who built his house on the rock, you know, in, got involved in the same storm as the... The guy that, got, that built his house on the sand. But, but thank God we got a rock to stand on. And uh, I've had many weeks like that. And in the course of my long life, <laughs> I'm going to live till I'm 90 odd. No, I am. I am. Dave, how old will you be when I'm 90? You're 40 now, right? 40? <laughs> You'll be older. Yeah. Yeah. We'll both need chairlifts to come up here. <laughs> and someone to direct us in the right way. <laughs> no, I've had many. But you know, the only antidote to do that when you get weeks like that, and you will get them. Some of you have had a week like that this week. And the only thing to do is to do what David did. And it says, and David encouraged himself in the Lord. Because sometimes you may not have anyone to encourage you. Do you know, that's the time not to wallow in self-pity, but to encourage yourself. 
in the Lord. That means make a decision. I'm going to go to the house of God. I don't care what I feel like. I'm going to open my Bible and I'm going to ask God for a word. I'm going to praise. Come on. We need to encourage ourselves when we get weeks like that. And as a result of that, when David encouraged himself in the Lord, as a result of that, his perspective, everybody say perspective. Perspective is the way you see something, the way you look at the big picture. As a result of encouraging himself in the Lord, his perspective regarding his situation radically changed for the better. Now, during one of those dark seasons, I remember going through, um, you know, a particularly dark season and going through all that stuff and I began to encourage myself in the Lord. And do you know what the Lord said to me? You know, it's in those times that you get rhema words. Not just logos. Logos is information. The Bible is logos. It gives you a general revelation of God. But sometimes out of the logos comes a rhema. A now word for your situation. And sometimes, you know, you only get those words when you need them. And you only need them when you're going through some stuff. And I'm going through this dark season. And, uh, and the Lord said to me, Ray, he said, your destiny is not a patch. It's a quilt. I said, is that in the Bible? No, I'm speaking to your heart. It's based in the Bible. It's based in my truth. See what he mean? He said, well, all you are doing right now is magnifying the patch. All you're doing right now is surrounding yourself with the bad patch. With, with, the, with, the, with the worrying patch. He said, step back. Step back. Look at it from another perspective. He says, Ray... When you step back, you'll see that I can take the bad patches and the good patches and the up patches and the fear patches and the worry patches and the joyful patches and with the thread of my sovereign will for your life, I will sew them together and you will see them as a quilt. And that's when I began to understand truly all things do work together for my good. Come on, somebody say amen. All things. In other words, when you look at your life with a grace perspective, we cannot look at life any other way. This week, the devil tried to convince me that those verses were not true. But a friend came alongside. I, I began to encourage myself in the Lord when those fearful thoughts came and those hurtful thoughts came. I decided to encourage myself in the Lord and in this instance I decided I need to listen to some preaching now very often sometimes I listen I have to listen to my own preaching it's easy for a preacher to preach sometimes the preacher got to listen to his own preaching but I didn't listen to my own preaching I, I, I listened to a podcast this week I said I'm gonna listen I need to encourage myself in the Lord I need to I need to listen to, to some preaching. And as I listened to this preacher preach, my spirit began to take its rightful place on the throne of my life. We are spirit, soul, and body. In other words, God says, the one thing that should control your life should sit on the throne of your life is not your emotions or your reason but your reborn new created spirit where i live 
That's where we should make our decisions from. Never make emotional or reasonable or irrational decisions when you're going through a bad patch. You've got to step back and you've got to take a deep breath and realize, no, no, God's not given me a spirit of fear, but power, love, and let your spirit, let your new created spirit rule. Sit on the throne of your life. And it's not easy because we are human. Christianity would be easy if it wasn't for our humanity. Wouldn't it just? So I'm listening to this wonderful preacher. His name was Dave Edwards. I'll say it again. His name was Dave Edwards. You may know this preacher. I don't know. Do you know a preacher called Dave Edwards, everybody? So I'm, I'm just sitting there listening to this amazing preaching by Dave Edwards, preaching on one of the Psalms on uh, teach me your ways, O God. And as I was listening to Dave preaching, I'm telling you, what happened was my perspective began to change. And my spirit was lifted. And the reason why is because Dave was preaching from a grace perspective. Never commit your life to anyone that's not preaching from a grace perspective. Never sit under preaching that is law-based. Never sit under teaching with a judgment-condemning perspective. Thank God... God has made us able ministers of a new covenant. And that covenant is the covenant of grace. I was particularly blessed when he was talking about um, the, the illustration that Dave used about the heart surgeon. Do you remember that? That's how powerful your preaching was, Dave. They, they remember it. The heart surgeon. And... Uh, and, uh, and this blessed me, this blessed me so much. And Dave was talking about uh, how when a heart surgeon gazes down, uh, uh, the chest has been opened and there's the ravaged, diseased, neglected heart. And the surgeon doesn't look down at that heart that's been neglected and diseased and abused and hurt he doesn't say he doesn't look at the he doesn't start judging the person for allowing the heart to get in such a condition no the surgeon immediately goes to work to try to fix it and sometimes our broken hearts are the result of our own bad decisions or the our own unkind actions to others. Sometimes our heart has not been broken because we've been abused, but perhaps because we have been the abuser and there's nothing we can do about it, but our heart is breaking and we know we can't change the situation. I want to tell you something right now. God doesn't look at you in judgment and criticism. And sometimes our heart, up, no man, he's still, he's still a gracious God. And he goes to work without prejudice to fix our broken hearts. Come on, somebody say amen. When, when Dave shared that, for me, it just epitomizes the spirit in this house. And it's a spirit of grace. When we live with a grace perspective... Never in the New Testament does the Holy Spirit uh, exhort His church to grow in law. Never does it say grow in judgment. No, Paul uh, at the end of every epistle, grow in grace. And, and, and the grace perspective, when we live with a grace perspective, we live on a higher level. When we get hurt and unfairly treated, that stuff, when you live with a grace perspective, that stuff doesn't embitter you. 
it actually moves you to a higher level of empathy for others who've experienced the same. When we experience slander and lies, because we live with a grace perspective, that doesn't incense you. It actually escalates you to a higher level of long-suffering and forgiveness. See, when you live with a grace perspective, you will see life through different eyes. Somebody say amen right here. In the world, you will have tribulation. As a Christian, you will have all this stuff. God's only antidote for us to live and enjoy the abundant life that Jesus has is to develop a grace perspective in our lives. It's the only way. Grace doesn't wait for a dying thief to earn acceptance before promising paradise. Grace doesn't wait for, I'm sorry, before declaring, Father, forgive them. That's living on another level. That's living with a grace perspective. Grace doesn't design a plan of revenge for those who betray him. He just washes their feet. Grace doesn't turn up to rebuke cowardly, disloyal, and faithful disciples. He just shows them his payment for their debt and encourages them to receive the same spirit of grace. Grace doesn't wait for the prodigals to prove their repentance before throwing a party. Grace cannot wait to kiss you on the neck. Come on, somebody. Say amen. I was sharing with Dave. I was looking at this whole perspective, this whole situation. And I began to read the parable of the prodigal son. And do you want a bit of a side salad here? Do you want a bit of a side salad? So I hope you got your pens and your MP49s or whatever you put your notes on. Because I tell you. See, the reason why this parable was so revolutionary, the parable of the prodigal son, the reason why it was so revolutionary to its hearers. See, when you study the Bible, don't just, you, you know, you've got to get the context of, of the scripture, of the story. Uh, and one of the main priorities to get the right context of a story or, or, or words that are spoken is find out who the words are directed to. And when Jesus talked about the parable of the prodigal son, he was directing his remarks, he was directing the story to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. He wasn't directing his story to people who'd messed their lives up. He was directing his story to people who were judging the people who'd messed their lives up. Come on, somebody say amen here. The reason why this parable was so revolutionary to the ones that were hearing it is because they were listening to the parable with a different perspective to, to, to the perspective that Jesus was speaking. Jesus was using this parable and speaking this parable from a grace perspective, but the hearers, see that's why Jesus says, be careful how you hear. You know, I've, over the years, I've had people, you know, quote me things I've never said. Be because I may have said the words, but the way they received it was totally different. But Jesus is brilliant. So he, 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 he tells the story from a perspective of grace. This parable was not designed to expose the open sins of the prodigal. This parable was not designed uh, uh, for the sins of the prodigal to be, uh, to be paraded so people say, don't live like this. Now, God doesn't do that. Now, the reason why uh, it, it wasn't meant to expose the sins of the prodigal, but the reason why Jesus uh, said this parable was to expose the hidden sins 
of the elder brother. The whole purpose of this parable was to expose the hard-hearted, judgmental attitude of those who lived without a grace perspective. Jesus was talking about a new covenant prodigal, but they were thinking about the old covenant prodigal. Say, Ray, what are you talking about? Well, I never realized this. But there was, a, there was a story in the Old Testament about a prodigal and how old covenant prodigals were to be dealt with. And there is the new covenant story of the prodigal son. And that's why it was so revolutionary to those that were hearing because they were thinking about the old covenant story of the prodigal and Jesus was coming with a brand new revolutionary idea about how to deal with prodigals. Say, wait, what are you talking about? I'll tell you. Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 18 to 21 talks about, uh, we got it up on the screen here, talks about, watch this now. Oh, there we are. I've got so many things here. There we go. Right, here we go. Now, this is old covenant. This is how you deal with an old covenant prodigal. Suppose a man has a stubborn, rebellious son who will not obey his father or his mother. Now, please, for those parents who have children, that one day you want to strangle in the Lord and then uh, put them in a freezer for three years until they're 21 or whatever. Look, this does not apply. I know some of you are who I wish to lived in the old covenant. Now, listen to this. Suppose a man had a stubborn, rebellious son. How many of you know that Jesus was talking about a stubborn and rebellious son? He says, I want my stuff and I'm out of here. Watch this. In such a case, the father and mother must take the son to the elders as they hold court at the town gate. The parents must say to the elders, this son of ours is stubborn and rebellious and refuses to obey. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Come on, does this ring true about the story that Jesus was saying? He was a glutton and a drunkard, spent his money on all this stuff, rebellious to his father. So these guys were thinking, oh great, yeah, we get this, we know all about this, it's in our law. Then all the men of his town must stone him to death. How many of you would like to live in the old covenant now? No kid here. In this way, you will purge this evil from among you, and all Israel will hear about it and be afraid. Well, that's a no-brainer, isn't it? Ever seen that before? I've never seen it before. Until I began to read it in the context of what Jesus was trying to say here. You see, they were receiving the story of the prodigal son from a perception of law. That's why it was so radical to them. So Jesus comes along with a grace perspective. You see, with a law perspective, prodigals are stoned. Under grace perspective, they are restored and kissed and blessed and graced and loved. Come on, somebody say amen here. Grace dismantles the gallows. Grace dismisses the firing squad. Grace disarms the stoning squad. Living without grace perspective. See, uh, listen to me, I'm telling you, you know, the world needs this message. Your family needs to see it in you. Your workmates need to see it in you. We need to drop our rocks and understand if it wasn't for the grace of God, there go we. Somebody talk to me in this place right here. 
See, the Pharisees, it blew them away. The Pharisees were brilliant at measuring their righteousness. And I used to be a Pharisee. There's still a bit in me. But I recognize the sucker now. And every time he raises his head, I smash him with grace. Hey, hey! Was I a Pharisee? I was a Pharisaical pastor. Uh, some of the stuff I preached years ago, I wish I could burn them. Because I didn't know. I didn't know. And, and that's why God has raised up this house. You've got to understand this. God hasn't raised up the king's church just for us to pat ourselves on the back and have a nice time. This nation needs to see the grace of God embodied in people, in words, in lives, in feet. <coughs> oh yeah. See, the old covenant required a standard of performance that was impossible to pull off consistently. The Ten Commandments were given to show us our utter inability to keep them and our utter dependability upon a Savior to help us. The Pharisees, however, figured out a way to make the Old Covenant work for them, therefore make grace unnecessary. We don't need your righteousness, Jesus. We can cultivate one of our own. It's the biggest insult to the blood of Jesus that you can do. That's why Jesus hated, he hated with a vehemence, a religious spirit, a judgmental spirit. Because basically what, what the Pharisees were saying, we don't need your sacrifice. Why die? We're quite capable of, 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 of working a righteousness that God is pleased with. The Pharisees, however, figured they worked their way through meticulous man-made rules that only the most disciplined could keep. That was themselves. And anyone else who couldn't keep them, that would be everybody else, would be the object of their self-righteous, judgmental spirit. You see, when you fall from grace, that does not mean that you fall into sin, but you fall into Phariseeism. Living without a grace perspective will cause you to pick up rocks to judge instead of opening your arms to forgive. Come on, somebody. Are you receiving this? Can we give the Lord just a big clap right now? Just, I, I, I'm just laying an introduction here. There's a wonderful picture. Let's see if we can get through this. There's a wonderful picture in the Old Testament, encouraging us to live on a higher level. This, see, uh, living with a grace perspective is, is way higher than any other form of living. Is it easy? No, it's not. Because there's a little, little, little hobbit inside your life that hates the grace of God. It's called selfishness. My rights, my way. That's why it's hard to watch this. So Genesis 13, Lot and Abraham. I'll just read it, okay? You can. Finally, Abraham said to Lot, let's not allow this conflict to come between us or our herdsmen. After all, we are close relatives. The whole countryside is open to you. Take your choice of any section of the land you want and we will separate. See, flesh and spirit has to separate. If you want the land to the left, I'll take the land on the right. If you prefer the land on the right, then I'll go to the left. Lot took a long look at the fertile plains of Jordan Valley in the direction of Zoar. Everybody says Zoar. The whole area was well watered everywhere like the garden of the Lord. Uh, this was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot chose for himself the whole Jordan Valley to the east of them. He went there with his flock servants, parted company with his uncle Abraham. So Abraham settled in the land of Canaan and Lot moved his tents to a place near Sodom, settled among the cities of the plain. Everybody say plain. Low level. 
But the people of this area were extremely wicked, constantly sinned against the Lord. After Lot had gone, watch this, after Lot had gone, the Lord said to Abram, look as far as you can see. Obviously, Abram was elevated. Look, obviously, see, Lot chose the plain, but obviously, Abraham was on a mountain. And he said, look as far as you can see in every direction, north, south, and east, and west. I am giving you this land. That's the essence of grace. You don't earn it. You don't perform for it. You don't, you don't decide, like, if I do this for it. No, uh, I'm giving it to you as a possession, and, and, and so on. Now, here's, here's the thing. Abraham and Lot have the same choice. <clears throat> we have the same choice when we are faced with stuff in our lives. Their choice determined their perspective, and their perspective framed their future. Abraham's choice took him to a higher level. Lot's choice took him to a lower level. Lot chose a plain in Jordan. Abraham chose a mountain in Cana. Watch this. As a result, they saw life from a different perspective. When you choose to live by grace alone, you live a life with no horizon. You live a life with no boundaries. You live a life with no limit. And the Lord said to Abraham, look as far. Man, I don't know about you. I'd rather live on a mountain with no horizon and no... Come on, somebody say amen here. Watch this. This is so powerful. This picture of a life lived from the mountain of grace, the view is unlimited and the blessing is unmerited. But your flesh, your selfishness, will always fight for you to live on a lower level. Like Lot, our flesh will always want to choose a camp near Sodom, a city on a plain. That's the battle we face every single moment. Grace will always appeal to you to live on a higher level even when you've chosen not to. What's this? So Lot chose it. And grace did not give up on Lot. Aren't you glad that grace does not give up on you? He will always appeal to you. Come on, don't live there. Come up to another level. You say, what do I mean? Watch this. So when all the stuff was happening and God was judging, Genesis 19, at dawn the next morning, the angels became insistent. The angels came down to rescue Lot from this place where he had chosen. Hurry, they said. Take your wife and your two daughters who are here. Get out right now or you'll be swept away with the destruction of the city. When Lot still hesitated. See, man, the flesh, that's why you need to kill this sucker. Well, God has already killed it. We're just going to reckon ourselves dead. So, so, so this is the power of selfishness and flesh in our lives. Uh, and he says, uh, but Lot still hesitated. The angels grabbed his hand. And the hands of his wife and two daughters. And rushed up to safety outside the city. For the Lord was merciful. When they were safely out of the city, one of the angels ordered. Here was a command from God. From somebody who was still desiring to live on a low level. He says, run for your lives. Don't look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the mountains or you will be swept away. And I'm telling you, there is a prophetic word encircling the globe right now to God's people. It's time to run to the mountain of grace and stop living on a low level. That stuff will kill you. Look at Lot's response. Oh no, Lot begged. You've been so gracious to me and saved my life and you show me great kindness, but I can't go to the mountains. I can't live like that. It's just too hard. I'm used to this low life. I'm used to living on this low level. Please let me go 
You see, there's a small village nearby. Please let me go there instead. Don't you see how small it is? Then my life will be saved. All right, the angel said, I'll grant your request. I'll not destroy the village, but hurry, escape to it, for I can do nothing till you arrive there. Watch that. This explains why that village was known as Zoar, which means a small place. Hmm. Are you still here? Say amen, somebody here. Grace will always appeal to you to live on a higher level. Even when you've chosen not to. Even though Lot was suffering the consequences of a bad decision, God still came to encourage him to get to higher ground. You need to get to higher ground, some of you. You're never going to live the life God has for you unless you get to higher ground. And that higher ground is the ground of grace. He chose to live in a small place on a low level. While the angel was pointing to the mountain. Lot was begging for the plain. That's flesh. When God is pointing to the mountain. Don't, don't come down to their level. Live on the mountain. Our flesh will still beg to live on the plain. While the angel wanted Lot to change his perspective, Lot was still begging to stay in a small place on a low level. Here's the application for us. When God says, run to the mountain of forgiveness, we beg for the plains of revenge. When God says, run to the mountain of sacrifice, we beg for the plains of selfishness. When God says, run to the mountain of grace, we beg for the plains of judgment. Are you receiving this word here? I'm going to wrap this up. Got about 10 minutes here. Are you receiving this word today? Listen, I know you, you have to listen to the podcast. Marinate. Listen to what Dave is saying through this psalm that God's given him. He, he, the reason why, you see, is because he wants us to live life from a grace perspective. It's the only way we're going to deal with stuff. Really. How often do we live our days fearing the worst? Living our lives controlled by what if? <laughs> Moses said to God, what if they don't believe me? Abraham's servant said, what if the young woman refuses to come with me? Joseph's brother said, what, what if Joseph bears a grudge against us and we all live our lives sometimes harassed by those two fear-filled words? What if? What if I lose my job? What if I get my house repossessed? What if my health fails? What if my spouse stops loving me? What if my children mess up? It's time to inject God's secret weapon into our diseased vocabulary. And instead of, see, this is what the grace perspective does in your life. You will change your vocabulary from saying what if to even if. Come on, help me somebody here. Watch this. This is, this is how powerful it is. This is, not just, this is not just a sermon here. God is saying, come up to the mountain. Live on a higher level. Stop allowing this stuff to worry you and bind you up. Stop living with what if. <coughs> living with a grace perspective. Will cause you to change your vocabulary and say, well, even if. That's how you view life with a grace perspective. Even if the worst happens. 
even if the worst happens, I know that when I get there, His grace will be sufficient for me to meet anything that's thrown at me. I know His grace will carry me. His grace will comfort me. Even if the worst happens, His grace will sustain me. And replacing what if with even if in our mental vocabulary, it's one of the most liberating exchanges you can ever make in your life. We trade our irrational fears of an uncertain future for the loving assurance of an unchanging God. The three Hebrew lads, we know the story, they were about to be thrown into the fiery furnace. They were even if people. Well, stoke it up as hot as you want, Nebuchadnezzar. You know, we are not bowing down to this God that you've erected. We are not compromising our confession on our lives because you demand it. Go on, stoke. Well, I'll throw you into a fiery furnace. Well, go ahead then. Our God is able to deliver us. Watch this. But even if He doesn't, we, are, we just know somehow God has got our back and His grace will be sufficient and we don't care. You need to give praise to Jesus here. I love, you want to read Habakkuk? Habakkuk! If you're expecting a child, ladies, and it's a boy, what a great name. Habakkuk! He'll be bullied in school, but he'll have the grace of God on him, I'll tell you that. Habakkuk! Habakkuk was an even-if prophet. Even if the fig tree does not blossom, even if the olive tree fails, even if we have no livestock in the barn, even if the fields yield no crops, I choose to find my happiness and my joy in God and God alone, not what's happening around me in my life. The application today, what is it in your life you've been fearing? What's the what if? <laughs> you little tinkers, look at you. I feel like coming to give everybody a kiss on the lips, I really I do. I'll be a bit over the top, I think. <laughs> what, what, what is it? What's the what if? What's the what if? And do you know what? We've all got them. What's the what if? God wants you to choose a grace perspective. Run to the mountain. Start asking God for His grace. His enabling grace. For you to stand in the face of whatever what if and say even if the worst happens I'm believing for future grace the grace his grace has brought me from that his grace will see me through that that's living and you know what you will live without bitterness you will live without a judgmental spirit you'll live without jealousy And here's me in this rat hole. And we are Christians. How come? Now forget it. Come on, somebody. See, it'll deliver you from bitterness and self-pity and selfishness. It'll, it'll, it'll liberate your heart to bless other people. I'll finish with this. The musicians come. We okay for five minutes, Dave? All right. Just stay with me because we'll pray. We're going to pray for people. Um, a few, some years ago when I was a very famous international evangelist <laughs> with a mullet that would, people would die for. 
I spent seven years traveling up and down this country in Northern Ireland during the troubles there, just ministering to young people in schools. I would just pack my equipment in my car and just jump in the car on my own, drive up, maybe, I don't know, five hours, get to the school, unload the gear, go into an assembly, the most exhilarating place to be on a Monday morning is a school assembly with a thousand kids that would rather be playing soft football. Do you know what I'm talking about here? So, so uh, on this particular morning, I had a very important assembly in a school that was having incredible trouble. I, and I, well, because I was leaving at five in the morning, I had to uh, pack my gear on the night before. So I put my gear on, all the gear was there, and I got up, and I had to leave at five. I got up, I went down to my car at five in the morning. It was a cold January morning, never forget it. And uh, I noticed there was glass all over the floor, and someone had broken into my car and stolen my equipment. Well, obviously, that was a bit of a problem. Uh, and, and so I realized I had to call the police. Uh, I couldn't, and, and my heart was breaking because I wanted to, I knew how important the school was, the ability, the, the, the privilege of speaking to a thousand kids. And I rang the police and I'm angry and I'm disappointed. And uh, a couple hours later, the policeman came. He came into my house. He sat down and he, he had the dictactorometer there, you know, car 41, all that stuff was going on. And he was taking notes, asking me questions. And then when I finished, I, I for some strange reason, I said, uh, I said, do you like gospel music? Um, well, you know, you know, I've got to speak to somebody about Jesus. I, I, I missed out on a thousand, so let's go for this one. So I said, I said, did you? He says, yeah, I do actually. I says, well, you know, I, I, I gave him one of mine, my albums because they weren't selling too good at that then. So I, I, I gave, I gave, I gave him. He looked at me and he said, I got it. He said, I got all your albums. So I, then he switched his dictactorometer off. I said, what? He said, yeah, I knew who you were when I came in your house. He said, last night, my life was in such a mess. I felt I'd failed God so bad and my life was in such a mess, I fell on my face on my car in my front room. And I said, God, if, you, if you're still there for me, if there's another chance for me, if there's hope for me, please show me somehow. So God allowed the thief Bless him. <laughs> to nick my equipment. Rob me of a opportunity to speak to a thousand kids. All because he heard the cry of a man for grace. Do you remember what I said at the beginning of the service? Some of you have come here this today for confirmation. Listen, God used me, God used me to confirm to that broken man. He arranged the circumstances. That's how much he values your cry for help. And I'm here. I wasn't due to preach actually here this Sunday. But Dave, who is a prophet of God and hears, he lives in, Faye looks at him and says, Jesus, this man is walking on water every single day of my life. She adores him. She cannot take her eyes off him. But Dave said to me, I was only doing a preach once, so I arranged my calendar. And I said, Dave said, Ray, could you preach the following today as well? And I said, give me a couple of days, Dave. 
I already knew. <laughs> but I, I had to think things, and yeah, and so, so I know I'm here for someone. And God is not here to judge you. He's just saying, listen, run to the mountain. Come up here. Live on a grace perspective. Let the bitterness, let them get on with it. Forget those words. Yeah, it hurts like hell. Not, to, not minimizing that, but he is the one that heals the broken hearted. He's near to those who are crushed in spirit. Just stand with me right now, please. Thanks for the time, Dave. Wow, look at this on a beautiful August day. Here you are. I don't know how you've come in, but I know this. You're going to go out different than when you came in here. I want you to close your eyes. And I'm going to pray one prayer, then I'm going to hand back to Pastor Dave. This message is a confirmatory message that you have to let it go and you've got to move to higher ground. And you're going to ask God, you're going to, first of all, you're going to thank Him for confirming His word to you. He's heard you cry. Then, you're going to resist Mr. Self who wants to go back down to a small place on a plane. You're not, you're, you're not going to go back down to that judgmental place, that bitter place, that jealousy place, that revenge place. No way. No, you're going to live on higher ground. And God is here to help you. He will give you, watch this, grace to help you in the time of need. Grace is only available to those who know they need it. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. If this word, if you are one of those people that has come here this morning asking God to confirm, and this word is confirmed to you, what you need to do, raise your hand. Father, you see these people with their hands raised. Thank you for noticing their tears. Thank you for observing what's going on in the privacy of their own heart. Lord, we can't help them, but you can. And I thank you for using me today, for using me today to help them live on a higher level. If there's anybody here and you say, Ray, you know what? This bitterness, this revenge thing, this unforgiveness thing, it's very real. I do not want you to dominate my life anymore, but I want God to help me, give me grace to live on a higher level. You raise your hand too, right here. Come on, be honest. You have to be honest. You have to be honest. You have to let it go. You have to forgive. Don't listen to Mr. Self that wants revenge, that wants hurt. Don't listen. Father, in the name of Jesus, you see these people here. In fact, Really, we all need your grace, every single one of us. And I ask you to bless them and help them and restore them in Jesus' name. And there's the last prayer. If you are here and you've never, ever given your life to Jesus, you've wanted to control your own life. I can live life without God. I can do this, but you know you're empty on the inside. Jesus is here. Your sins are forgiven. Your sin is not a problem. Your pride is. And if there's anybody here, you say, Ray, this morning, I'm going to open my life up and I'm going to say, Jesus, I receive forgiveness and I invite you into my life. Help me. If you want to pray that prayer, I'm going to count to three. When I count to three, I want you to raise your right hand. Here we go. This could be life-changing for you. One, two, three. Raise your hand high. God bless you. Is there anybody else? Raise it up. God bless you. God bless you, sir. Raise it up. Don't be ashamed. Say, Ray, 
I'm giving my life to Jesus. I'm asking him to help me. Father, you see these people that have raised their hands? I thank you. Their lives will never, ever be the same again. I hand them over into your care. And you know what, Lord Jesus? Thanks a lot for what you've done for us today. Would somebody give praise to Jesus in this house?